0: Jesus. Thank you for the worship, and praise the Lord that that those songs fit so beautifully as the Holy Spirit uh, led you to choose those songs to prepare us for the message today on forgiveness. Um, Just wonderful to focus on Jesus going to the cross, his greatness and his goodness. So our scripture passage this morning is Mark fourteen thirty-two to 42 in the New Living Translation. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Uh, heavy passage. But today and on June 12th, I'm focusing on the crucial topic of forgiveness. Confession and forgiveness are like two keys that have the power to unlock deep healing in our lives. About a month ago, if you remember, in our morning service, there was an opportunity to confess our sins to God and to our brothers and sisters and to experience the power of bringing our shame into the light and receiving God's forgiveness and the pronouncement of forgiveness from other believers. And this is an incredible sense or there is an incredible sense of life and joy and lightness when the forgiveness of God washes over our shame and gives us a fresh start, or when a fellow believer pronounces the words, as your sister in Christ, I can pronounce you forgiven because of the death and resurrection of Jesus and your confession of sin. But somehow it can seem different when we have to forgive those who have wounded us. Sometimes we feel justified in hanging on to our hurt and our pain, feeling like somehow it will give us protection from being hurt again. But forgiveness is just as powerful a key to healing as confession. And in fact, as followers of Jesus, just like confessing our sins is not an option, forgiving others is also not an option as Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray and you know this well he instructed them to ask the father to forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors confession and forgiveness are not easy things to do but both of them lead to life and healing It takes humility and courage to confess our sins, and it takes humility and courage to extend forgiveness to someone else. When those who have hurt us refuse to acknowledge the pain they have caused, it's even more difficult to extend grace. A friend of mine gives an illustration that helps us grasp this point, and it goes something like this. If I stepped on your foot by mistake and I immediately said, oh, I'm so sorry, it probably wouldn't be a big deal, right? Especially if you were wearing steel-toed boots to protect your foot. You would likely respond with something like, oh, don't worry about it, and you would go about your day. But let's suppose I stepped on your foot, and I was wearing pointy heels, and you had bare feet. Then it might be a little more difficult for you to forgive me as the digging in into your bare foot would be quite painful, right? Now, let's suppose you had just had surgery on that foot, okay? And I stepped on it with steel-toe boots and re-injured your foot again. Then it might take you a very long time to forgive me, especially if I walked away, didn't say I was sorry, or even acknowledged that I had hurt you in any way right? You get the picture. Sometimes forgiving those who have wounded us isn't too difficult, and other times the pain and anger and resentment is intense and long-lasting against our offenders, and it's very difficult to become unbound from the grip in which they hold us. Let's flip things around for a minute and look at the fact that we could never repay the debt that we owe to God for our sin. The Bible says that even our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags before God. And yet, because of his passionate love for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our filth, in our mess, in our brokenness, God stooped down and paid the price for our freedom. He paid our debt. I want to take a few minutes to step into the gospel story of the Garden of Gethsemane that I read a few minutes ago. Here, Jesus began to experience the terrible reality of what he had to endure to pay our debt. The very word Gethsemane means oil press. And Jesus began to be pressed and squeezed to bring us life. Mark 14:33 thir- contains a very important phrase which says, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. We can't grasp the full meaning of this phrase in the English language, but in the original language it would read something more like this. Suddenly, Jesus began to grasp the reality of the shock and the horror of what he was about to experience. So perhaps the father had protected him during his early life and ministry from the full reality of what he was facing. We don't know. But all of a sudden, he really began to feel the terrible weight of what he was about to go through. Luke twenty two forty four 44 says, And being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in the garden. He was sweating drops of blood. This is something called hematidrosis, actually. It's a condition in which you're under such incredible stress and strain that your capillaries are bursting because of the trauma so you're actually bleeding out of your skin. Your capillaries are bursting. And this was in the garden before he even endured all of the mocking and the spitting, the beating and the insults, the torture and the blame, even though he was totally innocent. He was completely misunderstood and rejected by the majority of people. He was abandoned by most of his followers. They ran away when things got tough. He was denied by one of his closest friends and betrayed by another. And ultimately, he was put to death in the most humiliating way possible on a Roman cross. And even more painful was that sense of separation that Jesus felt from his father. Jesus had always felt that intimacy and responsiveness and oneness with his father. But now he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the mystery of the Trinity, we know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, but somehow Jesus, in his humanness, bore the weight and the agony of God's anger at all the injustice and abuse and evil that has ever been done or will be done. So Jesus felt rejected, he felt alone, he felt abandoned, and because of the mystery of the Trinity, God the Father also felt the agony of everything that the Son was feeling as well. We often forget that, but all members of the Trinity, because of their oneness, felt this terrible, terrible, the, the overwhelming trauma of what was going on. So the God who says to us, you must forgive, is the same God who went to Gethsemane and then to the cross. And on the cross, after experiencing all that torment and horror, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus says to us, I have endured the weight of every debt, every sin that was ever committed. And I have also paid for every debt that you owed me and that everyone else owes you. In grades seven and eight, I had uh, a a really good friend named Shelly. We hung out all the time at school, and we went to each other's houses, and we planned sleepovers and birthday parties together and shared deep secrets. And in the summer after grade eight, I invited her to come with me to camp. And one night, we were having a long discussion about personalities and leadership styles in our cabin. And I made the very grave mistake of saying something about the fact that I was more of a leader and she was more of a follower. Not a good thing to say. (laughs) Of course, I had no idea that that mistake would change my life. As a junior high girl who was just having a discussion about personalities, right? We're talking about just all the different attributes and strengths and weaknesses. I had no idea How hurtful that was to her. Well, grade nine was a terrible year for me. Shelly was very mean to me, and although I asked her for forgiveness and I tried to build her up at every opportunity and praise her in front of other people at school, she always tore me down. It became so miserable that I would spend extra time in the bathroom at school just to get away from her. And eventually, I decided to switch schools in grade 10, so I would no longer have to endure her bullying. There are a couple of things going on in this situation. First, although I apologized and asked Shelly to forgive me, she chose not to extend forgiveness. In her bitterness, she began to treat me horribly, and after a while, learning to forgive was my issue as well. And just like in the uh, illustration of stepping on an injured foot and re-injuring it, when someone is continuing to wound us like that, it makes the forgiveness process that much more difficult. However, when we remain, um, when we refuse to forgive, we remain bound to that person who is wounding us. Take a look at this uh, exercise band illustration. It's stretched around these people. Jeremy, can you cue that up uh, for me? One person cannot move without taking the other person with them. Let's see. So see how they are bound together. That's, that's my son, Tim. <laughs> They're really good sports. <laughs> and my son-in-law, Connor. <laughs> like, can you do this for me? Um, so this is what it's like. When we don't forgive, our wounder follows us and stays with us at all times, impacting our thoughts and our actions. When we have not let them go, when we have not extended forgiveness, they influence our thinking, our feeling. We are bound to that, that person who has wounded us. And I want to be clear, though, that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. When we forgive, we can be free of the continued control of the one who hurt us. But that does not necessarily mean that our relationship with them will be restored. If Shelley was willing to accept my confession and extend forgiveness to me, our relationship would have been reconciled. But because she allowed bitterness to take root, and to, to uh, take hold and, and subsequently continued to wound me, I had to learn to forgive her even without the option of our friendship being restored. She decided that she no longer wanted a friendship with me. And maybe for some of you, serious abuse has taken place in your life, and it's not safe to be reconciled to your abuser. This does not mean that you can't experience the freedom of forgiveness. In fact, there must be forgiveness in order to be free from your abuser. So what does forgiveness mean? Well, first of all, it's helpful to think about what forgiveness does not mean. It doesn't mean just saying, no problem, just forget about it. That's not forgiveness. We must acknowledge the reality and the depth of our pain before we can release it to God. Forgiveness does not mean being buddy-buddy with the one who has wounded you. Boundaries in relationships are crucial to help us be healthy and whole people. Forgiveness does not mean that you will never have any difficult emotions when you think about that person again. Forgiveness really means trusting God with the debt that needs to be paid. Whenever forgiveness is necessary, it means that someone has been hurt and there is now a debt that needs to be paid. So when I wounded Shelley, even though I didn't mean to, I owed her. And I tried to pay that debt to her by apologizing and continuing to talk nicely to her and build her up. But she decided that that was not enough. Her unforgiveness gave her a feeling of justification and it gave her a false sense of power. She wanted me to feel like I still owed her, right? I can remember in grade nine saying kind words to her like, you're so good at cooking. You did such a great job baking for the school event. You're so much better at cooking than I am. And she would respond to me with something like, guess who's the bad cook here? Sadly, she was held captive by her unforgiveness. There's a story commonly told in many parts of the world, and many of you may have heard this, about the best way for a hunter to catch a monkey. The hunter takes a coconut and puts a hole in it just large enough for the, monkey, the monkey's hand to be able to reach inside the coconut. The hunter then places a piece of fruit inside the coconut and hangs it from a tree. And when the monkey smells the fruit, it sticks its hand in the hole and grabs on to the bait. But since it's now making a fist while clutching the fruit, it can no longer pull its hand back out of the coconut. And apparently monkeys are greedy, and they refuse to let go of the fruit. And so the hunter is then able to capture the monkey. And I've watched videos on that. You can check out YouTube and say, how can I catch a monkey? (laughs) And you will see. So what are we clinging to that we refuse to let go of? What is keeping us held captive and stealing life and freedom from us. We're just going to take a minute of silence to ask the Father to reveal to us if there's someone who we, we are struggling to forgive or even refusing to forgive. Maybe we're refusing to forgive ourselves for some for something. But let's just take a minute. The monkey refused to let go of the fruit to save himself. And when we are hanging on to unforgiveness, refusing to release the debt that is owed to us, we are allowing ourselves to continue to be held captive. But many of us have experienced things in our lives where the debt that a person owes us is massive. It's something they will never be able to repay. For example, if you were abused as a young child, the life that was stolen from you can never be repaid to you by that person. And it's crucial that before we can understand what we are releasing to Jesus, we must acknowledge the size and the weight, the reality and the pain of the debt that is owed to us. So I just want to listen to a song that describes the trauma and the pervasive impact of childhood abuse and the cry of the victim for justice to be done. This is, this is very important because there's a sense within all of us that justice has to be done. Somebody's got to pay for the evil. And yes, we know Jesus paid, but that reality of it is there, that when we experience trauma, we feel that weight of justice needs to be done. Jeremy.
1: Who's gonna pay for all of the pain? So many more were stolen My mind has been clouded My innocence taken Somebody's gotta pay My body aches With the weight of the shame My mind doesn't rest from the memories, the flashbacks that steal time and attention from what is in front. gotta pay for this we stolen the joy that's been robbed the sweet dreams at night replaced by the fog somebody's got to pay for this pain somebody's got to die Give me back this life of mine. Somebody's got to pay.
0: I just want to say that for those of you that have experienced abuse, I am so, so sorry for the terrible trauma and grief that you've had to experience that has impacted your life so deeply. And as a church, we want to say that we never want to minimize the depth of pain that's caused by abuse of all different kinds. And as I said earlier, Jesus doesn't minimize your pain either when he calls you to forgive but he knows that living with bitterness and unforgiveness just increases your pain and brings more weight rather than relief. The bridge of this song said, sometimes I think that I'll make them pay by holding on to bitterness. I'll do it my way. But it's never enough. The pain, the debt is too great. Holding on to bitterness just adds more weight. So to continue in unforgiveness, hoping that making that, that will make the abuser suffer and that that will somehow repay the debt, it will only serve to steal more of our life. It gives us a false sense of control. God is the only one who can help us release our hand from the fruit, so to speak. He can enable us by his power to shift the debt that is owed to us over to Jesus. He paid the debt. He paid for our sin. He paid for all the sins done to us. This is a really heavy but important topic, and so in two weeks, we're going to carry on with this topic and look at a key parable on forgiveness and talk more about how we can practically walk in forgiveness. But this morning, we've looked at the incredible price that Jesus paid to forgive us for the debt of sin that we owe him. And we've talked about how incredibly important it is to acknowledge the size and the weight of the debts that are owed to us before we forgive. Otherwise, the hurt and pain get buried and we don't properly grieve. It's like saying, oh, no problem, no problem and not acknowledging. We must acknowledge the size and weight of what's been done to us, and then, by the help of the Lord, shift the weight onto him. I want to leave us with a question this morning, just for us to, to pray through for the next couple of weeks as we think about forgiveness. And, and maybe the Lord brought a name to your mind when we paused earlier of someone you need to to forgive and you want to work with the Lord on that over the next couple of weeks. But here's the question. Do we trust God enough to give him the debt that is owed to us? We trust Jesus to pay the debt that we owe to him. Do we trust God enough to give him the debts that are owed to us. Father, we thank you this morning for the cross. We thank you for the depth of your love, and we thank you that you have seen each day of all of our lives. You know what each one of us has endured. You know every single debt that we owe you and every single debt that is owed to us that can never be repaid. And so, Lord, we, we offer ourselves to you this morning and we ask that we would come to a place of trusting you with those debts, that we'd be able to shift them on to you but that we would also adequately be able to work through the pain and the grief. And Lord, sometimes that takes many many years. Many many years yeah. of healing. But Lord, we want to be a church that walks in both confession and forgiveness. We want to be a church of people that are unbound, not bound to our to people Um, not bound in unforgiveness, but free, walking free in forgiveness. And so, Lord, we ask you to work in each of our lives, to do work of freedom that only you can do. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.